0: Hello, and welcome to Kuyamaka Conversations. I'm Noel Gonzalez. I'm a student here at Kuyamaka College in the student music program, and today we are joined by Mr. Peter Dyson. Hello, Peter. Hello, Noel. Thanks for having me. How would you like to introduce yourself and uh, tell us a bit about your background and what led up to your decision to get into the music industry?
1: Well, thanks thanks for inviting me, first of all uh my background. Um I'm from England originally, although uh about six months ago I- I'd lived in the States for longer than I lived in England, so uh I consider myself kind of a dual citizen, even though I sound like an Englishman. I feel like this is home now, but but I've been here for about twenty eight years. Uh I I played drums since I was a kid. Uh that was really kind of my first love was was playing drums. Uh, but also singing, even though I don't have a great voice. I've got two, two older sisters, and uh, and we used to just sing all the time. <laughs> and that was all there was to doing on car journeys. So, uh, so I often think that some of my, my music education as such has been very informal. I've, I've got a, a bachelor's degree in, in government politics and modern history from the University of London. But the people that, that I met there are people that I still still play music with to this day. Uh, so, uh, uh, so I played played in bands all the way through kind of college and and afterwards, and and then actually when I when I first moved to the into the states in nineteen uh, ninety one, I actually stopped playing for a few years because I was I guess I was focused on being married and trying to figure out how to be a half decent husband. Uh, but then uh, I started playing in bands, uh, in country and western bands in Austin, Texas, where my wife's from. Uh, so, uh, so I, I haven't... Um, I do not read drum notation, unfortunately. Uh, I wish I had learned how to read drum notation because I'd be a way better drummer now. Uh, I don't play any other instrument apart from the drums. Uh, and... Uh, that's really kind of my, my, a bit about my background and my, my kind of education.
0: Uh, okay, I understand when you moved to Austin, um, uh, you weren't working in the industry at the time. you were working uh, motor for Motorola.
1: That's right, uh, yeah, I worked for Motorola, the semiconductor sector. Uh, my wife is smarter than me she's, uh, she was she's the software software lady person (laughs) whatever the right term is and uh, uh, so I started working at Motorola as well Uh, and I worked there for 14 years in in human resources and leadership development but again I was playing in more and more bands in Austin I started to get involved in the studio scene in Austin which which is really active and I just became fascinated by recording studios and the recording process but that really even though I'd done it earlier in in my life, it was only when I was really in my 30s that I truly started to get fascinated with, with recording and production.
0: Uh, That's what I had. Uh, I had read that you were getting a little frustrated with your ability to do uh, the recording on your own there in Austin.
1: Yeah, well, I'm. I'm big into collaboration. To me, drums is a pointless instrument unless there's other people there playing other instruments, and so. Uh, And the people that I was used to collaborating with were were friends back in England. And so this is when when Pro Tools was really first started to become, uh, you know, the platform and the way that people would record directly into a computer. So it became a lot easier to collaborate remotely. And so I started... I I built a home studio with some help from some uh, friends who own studios in Austin and started actually recording myself, playing the drums and, and swapping files and sw- song ideas with friends in England. But realised that it's about a million times difficult, more difficult to actually do than it looks.
0: <laughs> so um, how did Studio West get in the picture?
1: Well, I, I spent 14 years working for Motorola and ended up a little, uh, what's the right word, Bored. <laughs> I realised I was just bored with the work I was doing, uh, and even though I would have had a lot more of a predictable life had I stayed in the corporate world, uh, because I realised I had realised through personal experience how difficult it is to actually engineer and produce music, uh, and and because I I paid a couple of people to actually come and teach me how to use the, all this gear I'd bought from Guitar Center, and. The first time the guy turned up, he was stoned. The second time, he didn't turn up at all. And the third time, I did, didn't invite him back for a lesson. <laughs> and so, so really, I, I, I saw... Because I was involved in training at Motorola, I saw an opportunity to... Because uh, there was nowhere to learn how to, how to do this uh, at the time. Uh, and this was back in the, you know, mid-'90s, mid late-'90s. Uh, and so I decided to... Uh, to To get a bit entrepreneurial, and uh, leave corporate, safe corporate America, and uh, actually start a start a, a business where uh, we would teach people how
0: to how to how to produce music. So now Studio West had uh, quite the history. They had already been around. For yeah, a while. well, I
1: I was in Austin, like I say, and we had two we had two kids there, but my my in-laws uh, had moved to, to San Diego, retired to San Diego. And having two little kids, even though my wife stayed at home, it was we kind of missed the support of, of her in-laws raising the kids. And, and so one night at about 4 o'clock in the morning, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. Uh, and I Googled, because I had this idea about starting some kind of an educational programme, and, and I thought, what, what better place to teach... People had recorded in somewhere where a lot of music has been recorded over the years, and so one night and I remember it very clearly I was just I, go, I googled recording studios for sale San Diego and Studio West popped up and as a listed business for sale and uh, and so I kind of took it from there, deci- we decided to relocate to san diego uh, and and I acquired studio West. Uh, and that was fifteen years ago, almost to the day, I think
0: right on. can you describe the facilities and the services available there at studio west well well when i when I bought
1: studio west it was uh it was just two studios, studio A and studio B, and the revenues for those studios had declined the <laughs> kind of three years previously, so it was in some ways it was the most nonsensical business to buy one where the revenues are declining uh but uh but because i wanted to add this additional you know product almost uh that's really you know why we added some square footage we uh, we added a, a couple of classrooms and also we didn't have a dedicated studio for uh, audio post production so voiceover recording uh, dialogue replacement, uh, podcast recording, although, <laughs> of course, you didn't know back then that this would become a thing. So we, uh, we added a, a third studio, Studio C. Uh, so really we have three, uh, three main studios, the main one of which is a, a large track and room, Studio A, which the biggest ensemble I've, I've seen in there was a 42-piece orchestra and also a 90-person choir. So it's a pretty big room, and then Studio B, which is kind of a mixing room, but with a, a separate, you know, really a good, well-designed isolation booth, and Studio C, which is something that we built ourselves. Uh, but the the most most of it was built in 1986, and so I really acquired what was an existing business.
0: Yeah. And uh, tell me about your staff. How many people are working you and helping you here?
1: I actually had to. I was working last night in a report that I had to do for the U.S. Census Bureau, the business section of the Census Bureau. So I do know that we have 18 part-time and full-time employees
0: because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had to fill that number out last night. <laughs> uh, how would you describe the clientele and what they're looking for in a studio that you see today?
1: Well, the if I can back up just a little bit and talk about the what some of these employees do, because oh, absolutely, uh, you know, it's people tend to think of recording studios as places where just engineers and producers work, and indeed we do have engineers and producers who work there, uh, but but I'm not an engineer or a producer. Uh, I fill in lots of forms. <laughs> I uh, I try to manage a team of people. Uh, I try to make sure things you know work smoothly. But we also have people, we have a studio manager who takes all the, the, you know, the bookings for the studio. Uh, we have uh, you know, somebody who helps us out with marketing. We have somebody who helps us out with, with uh, you know, the financial side of things, with bookkeeping and accounting. Uh, and often the, our engineers are also uh, instructors on the, on the instructional side of the business. So we kind of run two businesses under one, one roof, if you will. Yeah.
0: Ah, oh, that's great. Um, back to your clientele.
1: Yes, clientele, and and I, I'm glad that you include that word clientele because it's whatever else anybody else thinks about you know recording studios or whatever. It's 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 a service business. We do have clients, and I regard as our clients as uh, you know. You know, from some, like, big-name artist to some little seven-year-old kid taking some little lessons in in, in Fruity Loops or production. Uh, And so uh, how would I describe a clientele? Really diverse. Uh, And what are they looking for in a studio? They're looking for a studio that works. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which is a ver which sounds like an obvious statement, but it's really difficult to get you know there's a lot of technology and there's a lot of moving parts in the studio uh, and uh keeping it all working and running smoothly is is a huge task in and of itself uh, but if the the guy I bought the studio from he, he made a comment I always remembered uh, he said. He said oh uh, I keep the good mic cables in my office And I was like what do you mean you keep the good mic cables in your office Should, shouldn't the good mic cables be usable by the people <laughs> by the clientele so that things work and so my my attitude was always kind of very very different to that uh, but also I was uh, I was talking to an engineer who's a truly a, like an A-list guys work with the Eagles and Goodness knows who. He's, he's another Englishman like me. Uh, and he said to me, he said, you know what, Peter? He's, he's like, there's no such thing as, as a recording studio where everything works all the time. And I absolutely know that to be true because there's so much, so many moving parts. Uh, uh, but, yeah, that's what they're looking for, it's a place where things work and also where there's good, where there's good energy so that you can be... Creative and but still get work done at the same time because you know as, as, you, as you know it's like it's, none of this stuff is easy it is work and so when I go to, to work every day uh, you know yes things have to have to be such that the right person is in the right place at the right time uh, but also there has to be a good a good energy because you know a lot of this is about creativity and creativity is a very difficult thing to define and you know and make sure that you've got the right everything you know right to let people be creative uh but but that's that's really what what we try and do we provide equipment that works and we try and provide a a good environment where people where there's the right creative energy for people to get their jobs jobs done
0: absolutely um would we know any of the recording artists or the media personalities that have used your services? Uh, y-
1: y- you would do, I think. Uh, some of them sound stupid when I say it in an Eng- English accent. Little Wayne,
0: <laughs> yes, which I believe Lil- is Little Wayne.
1: Little Wayne, <laughs> yeah, see, I still can't get mad around it. Uh, uh, Blink One Eighty Two recorded their first album there. Record- recorded the guitars for their first album there. Uh, uh, then we have, you know, what I describe as corporate clients. So Taylor Guitars, uh, they they once every two months they'll they'll bring a pickup truck oh, full yes. of just the most gorgeous guitars, and we'll we'll record and shoot video of them. Uh, we we do a lot of we do a lot of work with what I call local musical institutions so people because there's, there's there's a ton of amazing musicians in san diego and there really are uh it's interesting there's a lot of people who who were kind of session players in la in the 60s and 70s and they retired to sunny rancho bernardo <laughs> and so there's there's some jazz musicians in their 70s and 80s there's a guy in his 90s who you know who and uh, you know, Mike Wooford, a PNST, he, he accompanied Ella Fitzgerald for 15 years. Uh, so, uh, Jim Soldy, who's who's local, I think, from El Cajon, uh, he played, you know, 10 or 12 years on the road with Johnny Cash. Uh, so, I regard those people as kind of local musical institutions. Uh, and then... Again, people think of recording studio and thinking of, think of it as a place where it's all about music, but music is a fairly small part of our business, music production. Uh, we, we get a lot, a lot more revenue from, uh, from audio post-production, so dialogue recording. We do a couple of... Uh, we do an NPR show. Uh, we, do a lot of, uh, uh, we do a lot of dialogue replacement for, for television and movies, uh, so, uh,
0: I know I've seen a John Cena there.
1: John Cena, yeah, 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 yeah. He was The voice
0: he, of the elephant.
1: He was the voice of the <laughs> elephant. Yeah, yeah. He's a big lad. He he was causing some trouble the other week. So I had to take him outside. I was like, John, come here. No, no, no I didn't. <laughs> but but actually, it's interesting. Someone like John Cena, you think of him as a you know he's I guess he's a wrestler, but he's also a very talented voice actor. And I heard him playing the piano beautifully in Studio A once, just on a break. And so... Uh, uh, and then uh, other, the, the one time when I was truly lost for words was when there was a... Being an Englishman, I love soccer, and it was during a World Cup, and the ESPN announcer, who did all of the... And on Saturday, Brazil against England... In the quarterfinals of the World Cup, this guy came in to record a load of these because his his mother was in San Diego, and the, even though ESPN did most of their production out of somewhere else, his mother was, was ill, and so uh, so he spent two days with us recording a lot of those kind of bumpers uh, for different you know for different ESPN broadcasts. Uh, so really, the you know. Uh, Audio post-production, dialogue recording, dialogue editing, audio book. We do a lot of audio books as well. Yes, uh, books. Yeah. yeah, and and my accountant the other day was saying to me, he's like you need to start putting on your website that you produce <laughs> that you can produce podcasts out of there, because podcasts are such a big way that people consume information now." Uh, so I'm glad that you're doing it out of here for sure, uh, but also you know. Trader Joe's have a series of podcasts that they use to sell groceries. <laughs> uh, so, you know, podcasts are a huge part of this industry.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of the local celebrities in the, did we have um, uh, Richard Dreyfus?
1: Oh, yeah, Richard Dreyfus. He he spends a lot of time there. Uh, Alan Arkin, who's an, an older an older actor, but somebody that you would all absolutely recognise. Uh, Steve Kerr, the, the basketball coach. Uh, he was there recently. Uh, we've got a uh, a guy who's a, a pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Is actually he's taking a tour at the moment with his with a producer from L.A. Uh, and even though he's a, a sportsman, uh, he's also one of these people who's multi-talented. And so uh, they recorded a load of tracks up in L.A. with absolutely A-list musicians. <laughs> The one of whom I can remember is Vinny Colayuta, uh, the drummer, mm. uh, who's you know one of the top five out there. But if I was a guitarist, I'd be able to remember the name of the guitarist who was on it. But but he's going to be doing some uh, recording the vocals with us in, over the next couple of weeks, uh, and and I and uh, I was told that uh, Major League Baseball are going to come and and shoot uh, shoot kind of a um, a little mini you know, mini documentary thing about him while he's in the studio, so yeah.
0: Great, great. Now how about the other side of the house? You also have the uh, the Recording Arts Centre. Um, what type of programs and industry certifications are you offering or could you start off in general telling us about the Recording Arts Centre and what you're doing and again right. what you offer?
1: Well, well, this was my like, you know, great idea teach people how to record in a recording studio, but you know, having an idea is one thing, and then executing a business plan is another thing entirely. And if if I always say to anybody, it's like an, having an idea is one thing, apps. You know, actually executing on that idea is something totally different. So, uh, luckily enough, I was I was uh, I was lucky enough to meet a guy called Mark Kirschner when I first moved here, who he was who was a, an early employee of Avid or Digi Design, uh, who make Pro Tools. and so. Uh, so we started off our educational side of things, just teaching uh, industry certifications uh, in, in Pro Tools uh, and a couple of other uh, you know, different certifications, Media Composer, which is Avid's media, uh, video editing software, and Venue, which is a live sound console. Uh, but I also realised fairly quickly that just learning how to use software doesn't mean that you can actually do that thing. So you could, I could go buy a copy of Adobe Photoshop and, and I could be told, you know, I could understand every key command in Adobe Photoshop, but I have to ask my wife before I leave the house every morning whether the clothes are matching, whether they are actually, whether the colours go together. And so I, could, so I could learn Adobe Photoshop, but I'd never be a graphic designer. And so, and it's kind of the same with music. You can learn how to use some software, but that doesn't make you an engineer or a producer. And so, we 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 started developing some extra curriculum because, uh, you know, just for that exact fact, it's like you have to know more than, you know, how to you know use software. Software is a huge part of this industry, obviously, but there's more to it than just that. And so, that's when we started building out some other classes. Uh, to to turn it into a more comprehensive program, uh, and that all happened over the space of about from 2005 to 2011, really. Uh, in 2011, we we launched a a year-long program uh, in in the recording arts, a full-time program, and we st- we still do the industry certifications and some classes for for uh, for hobbyists, kind of in the evening. Uh, but yeah,
0: okay, and. Um off the top of your head, do you recall some of the graduates and what they've gone on to do in the industry? Uh, well, I'm 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 glad we rolled a little video before we had
1: this conversation because there were a couple of faces on that. Uh, uh, Stevie G, Stephen Groot, <laughs> so he uh, he graduated and immediately went to uh, uh, runs a big. Uh, a broadcast truck with an, with a with a big ssl live broadcast console for a for a, a big local church uh, some of our our best graduates will go will go up to la because it's the production center of the universe you can't get away from that and so there was another young man up there sam uh, who's who's had a couple of uh, uh, he got a job uh, at Hans Zimmer studio where they do a lot of orchestral recording uh, but then he moved into a, another company uh that are building essentially kind of artificial intelligence sample based engines for for composers to use so he spends hours and hours sampling different instruments manipulating them uh and it's, I, I, frankly, I don't even really understand what he does. <laughs> uh, but it's a, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, it's exciting to see people going on and doing that. Uh, a lot of live sound, uh, you know, people, there's, there's even though recording studios, big recording studios, uh, you know, like Studio West, are fairly rare now because record company budgets aren't what they were, you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, and so, uh, but there's still wherever somebody wants to speak to an audience or play in front of an audience, there's always there's always somebody behind, you know, a little console running running the sound. Uh, so we have a lot of people, you know, will go into uh, live sound reinforcement. Uh, a couple of people gone uh, different places in in New York City. Uh, SIR Studio Instrument Rentals, a big company that rents equipment to different studios in New York. A few people working there. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. What trends do you see currently in the music industry?
1: Oh boy, that's a tough one. Uh, what trends do I see? I see uh, I see some trends that, that concern me because the software is now so sophisticated that that people think particularly young people think that you know i I can have a laptop and a you know thirteen year old boy will get a laptop a copy of fruity loops and i can and I can be a producer and uh, and so the even though I love the fact that the software is so accessible it it leads people to this false assumption that they can that that producing music or indeed you know audio, post-production, video, anything, is, is something that one person can do on their own. It's not. Everything, is, everything of value is a, is a collaborative effort. And so, uh, so, the, so the trend towards ever more sophisticated software is wonderful because uh, it enables us to do things. But uh, I, I worry that it makes sometimes younger people think that they can do things on their own when really you need more than one person to make good-sounding music. Uh, so uh, and then there's some trends that uh, I'm I'm 55 and so I love the fact that I'm surrounded by young people because they keep me clued into what to what the kids are listening to as you say it were and so because there's there's no point in making out that the kind of music that I might like personally is the kind of music that everybody in the world wants to listen to And so I have to be aware of, you know, new musical trends, new musical genres. I I try and keep an open mind. I really, really, really do try and keep an open mind to different genres of music and different artists because, you know, I've I've seen, you know, some rappers in there who just look like they're gangsters and all this stuff. And then, again, I'll hear them playing Mozart on the piano when they think nobody's watching them. And so I've learned a long time ago never to judge a book
0: by its cover. Uh, are there any current or future projects you have in the works that you like to mention, or that you're particularly excited about?
1: Uh, I I'm, I'm getting more and more excited, and this is a little bit about the previous question, but about you know trends. But video, we're doing a, a lot more video production out of, out of the studio now, and uh, and we did. Uh, and n- nothing. It takes a long time to do things, but we recorded a session back in January uh, with, with a, a drummer called Dave Mattox, who's an Englishman, 70 years old, but he's, he was best friends with John Bonham. He played with Paul McCartney, Elton John. Uh, Jimmy Page was one of his sponsors when he moved to, to, from England to the States. Uh, and we, we shot a video with him and a few other... Uh, Jim Soldy, the local guy I was telling you about, who toured with Johnny Cash and, and some other, you know, great local session musicians. And, uh, and we're just about finished with, with, that, uh, with that video, which was kind of a live in-studio performance thing. And, and I'm doing it almost for, for fun, really. Uh, it's not something that we're going to try and, you know, release commercially. Uh, but, but you asked me what I'm excited about. And so I told you.
0: <laughs> yeah, the video shoots are fun. There, I remember. Uh, video shoots are fun. Doing yeah. the uh, drum clinic with uh, Rich Redman, the drummer from Jason Aldine. Yeah, that was that That's was. That's right.
1: Good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and the video is a bigger part of the world. I, even myself, I I watch as much music as I listen to music. You know, it's it really is important to have visual images now with with you know with the music that we listen to. Uh, uh you know and so there's there's a lot of video stuff that we're doing that I'm excited about uh i mean yeah i'm excited about having uh some projects coming in the more the more pro- post production projects that we do the more excited i get because uh checks from you know uh let me think NBC, universal or
0: whatever they don't bounce <laughs> <laughs> I, think I I remember, uh, didn't you guys do some sound for Sony? for some sound design for the video games, I think.
1: Yes, yeah, we've done some stuff for Sony with video games. And again, their checks don't bounce. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was $65,000 for 16 minutes worth of sound. <laughs> That's right. And strangely enough, one of the hardest organisations to actually get payment out of, and and it is called the music business for a reason, but is the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. Really? Yeah. You would have thought it would be, you know, such an amazing, you know... So renowned and everything, but because of the some of the difficulties of you know dealing with a huge bureaucracy, that's with an eight-hour time difference. Even though I am English, it's it's taken us a year to get paid for you know for a for a two-hour session that we did for the BBC. Some you know that ended up on some some you know big show or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> damn Brits, you can't get them to pay up.
0: <laughs> you said that, not me. <laughs> uh, you you have <laughs> How about any advice for any of the uh, Kuyamaka music programs, musicians out there?
1: I always say to people, if you're interested in in music uh, and production, then you should you should have a project on you on the go. <laughs> Uh, I, was, I was so pleased to see a couple of instruments in here and somebody strumming a guitar because you just, you know, you, you prove who you are by what you do. And so, uh, you know, my, my advice for any, anybody interested in music would be to play music <laughs> with people. It's that simple. And my advice for anybody who is interested in production is to, is to have, you know, have your backpack with a hard drive in it and, and some projects that you're working on. Uh, because really the only way, you know, I can say that we teach people how to, you know, produce music and, and other places, you know, can say that they teach how people how to produce music, but really you produce music through experience. And so... Uh, and the only way to get experience is by doing it. And so... I'd say take any opportunity that you can to, to record things, to record people, to record instruments, to collaborate with people. Uh, I, was, I was just recently back in England because my mother's got uh, dementia and Alzheimer's and probably hasn't got much longer to live. But I, I, took, I took my iPhone with a, uh, with a little Shure microphone, uh, MV88. It's a great little microphone. And, and I recorded uh, some... There's a lot of conversations. A lot of it is, is the same stuff again and again because she's got dementia and Alzheimer's. But, but it's, it's important because I'm, you know, I'm capturing some, some stories that, that, that she hadn't told me before uh, because, she's, because she's got dementia mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's loosening up a little bit. Uh, and I consider that a project almost. It's a project that I've got going on now. It's to capture a little bit of family history. Uh, so right. my advice
0: is uh, do stuff. <clears throat> well put. And for our listeners, um, where are you located and where do we go for more information? So
1: uh, the, the studios are located up in Rancho Bernardo uh, and, and the website studiowest.com has a lot of information about uh, about what we do, how we do it, people who work there uh, but i I always there 's nothing I love doing more than showing people around. We do a lot of tours with with high with middle school students with high school students uh, I love it when people just come in and, and drop by and, and and see the place uh, uh, because You really, you know, I've I've owned Studio West for 15 years now, but every time I walk into Studio A, I still get a little bit of a buzz. I still get a little bit of a wow. There's been a lot of stuff was done here, and so, uh, so, so we're up up north about 30 minutes, and uh, yeah, we we love we love
0: showing people around. Well, I want to thank you for coming in today, Peter, taking the time out, and uh, thank you again. I appreciate it. And
1: thank you, Noel. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you sir. Thanks.